Here she wrote podcast. We find ourselves in a backwoods southern town where Jessica has to defend a former student when she's arrested for murder. In a very interesting, I figured out who the killer was before Jessica did episode. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Murder She Wrote podcast, where I watch every single episode of the Hit 80 slash 90 show, Murder She Wrote, starring three-time Academy Award nominee, multiple Golden Globe winner, and multiple Emmy-nominated actress Angela Lansbury. Today, I'm going to be talking about Season 5, Episode 5, Coal Miner's Slaughter. Air date, November 20th, 1988. Woo! As always, I spoil everything there is to spoil about the murder of the suspects, everything in between. This episode is currently streaming on the free service Freebie. Seasons 1 through 5 are still currently streaming on there. But all 12 seasons are also on Peacock if you pay premium, which is only $6.49. Or you can do what I do and watch your favorite show on DVD. If you have the season 5 disc set, insert disc 3 into your DVD. And this is the second episode on the disc, I believe. So, got lots to say about this very interesting episode. But before I get into it, I have a couple of things I want to talk about. The first one is... OMG, the weather has been absolutely crazy, my dear listeners. If you are, like, I don't even know where half of you are, but I hope you're staying warm. It has been freaking crazy here where I live in Kentucky. It is, like, almost below zero right now. And it is supposed to warm up a little bit to tomorrow be up to 29 and then 30 the next day after that. But then we're supposed to have another freezing cold weekend ahead. So I hope everybody is staying warm wherever it is that you are. Um, This weather has been crazy. I like winter. I thrive in winter. But not this cold. Even I don't want it. So we have lost some legendary actors in the last couple of days. We have lost the talented um, the last surviving cast member of the Honeymooners. We just lost the talented Joyce Randolph. We also lost the mom from Um, Mary Poppins, Gladys Johns has died at the age of 100, and she had a career that spanned six decades. She also starred alongside Angela Lansbury in The Court Gesture. So may she rest in peace, as well as the last surviving cast member of the Honeymooners. They're all gone now. Um, as well as... Including Bill Hayes, who had played the role of... 
He played the character of Doug Williams, a beloved character that had been on the show off and on since 1970. Most of Bill's big prominent storylines took place in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s. And he wasn't really that big of a staple in the show in the late 80s. Um, but the character of Hope Brady was his daughter, I, I believe, yes. And although he did get to be pretended to be possessed by Satan, um, again, after so many years, they brought that storyline back on Days of Our Lives. Um, also, Alec Mercer died at the age of 50 years old. He won Are You Afraid? Are You Afraid? Oh my god. Do You Want to Be a Soap Star? Sorry guys, my brain is not working tonight. Um, and he was also on All My Children in the role of Dale Henry, which was a character that was originally around in the 1990s that was not a very popular character, and casting him as that character was a mistake from the word go. Um, but he also had a small role in the Adam Sandler interesting film of grown-ups um, and Adam uh, Sandler remembered him and paid tribute to him. So we've lost a lot of legends so far at the start of this year. Um, and may they all rest in peace. I mean, and also, oh, I forgot. Sean Hay, um, B Bill was married to Susan Hayes. They were married in real life as well as on the show. And he also was a singer. He had a top Billboard hit golden record with the Ballard Ballad of Davy Crockett. Yep. Um, and it's very interesting. It's very interesting. They all, of course, had wonderful careers. May they rest in peace. I hope they are welcomed into heaven with open arms. Um, I have not really been keeping up with any of the award shows, honestly. Like, it has really been too cold to sit in my living room. I've been hanging out at my computer, which I got a new computer. I know I probably mentioned that. But I love my new computer and where it's located, it's the warmest place in my entire apartment. Um, so I've not been really watching TV, but I recorded a lot of stuff. Um, and interestingly enough, this episode of Murder, She Wrote features in an early guest starring role, Megan Mullally, who of course is famous for being on Will and Grace. A lot of a show that a lot of people say was very groundbreaking for the time because it featured two gay men as two main characters of the show and actually let them be gay. Well, kind of. Um, there were restrictions on what they were allowed to do. But interesting enough, before I get into all of that, because there are some things I want to say about Will and Grace that is an unpopular opinion, but I'm going to say it. Um, recently they decided to do an adaptation of Percy Jackson and the Olympians, which I was really excited about because when I found that book, I was really amazed at how good it was. 
And I was hoping for an adaptation. I really was. But the adaptation we got in 2010 was not so good. So, you know, the ball was raised really high. And now they have come out with a new show. And much to my surprise, Megan Mullally was cast in it. But in probably the worst possible role. I mean, honestly. Um, she is cast as a as a horrible teacher who turns into some sort of creature and then she freaking dies. And I was like, what a waste of a talented actress. Like, are you freaking kidding me? You know, I just, I don't get it. But anyway, back to Will and Grace before I get into this episode of Murder, She Wrote. Because Megan Mullally, oh my god, does a fantastic job in this episode. She plays a feisty woman who is out to prove the local town big bad guy killed her father. We're going to get into it. But she is just absolutely fabulous in this episode. Love, love, love her performance. And most people don't know that Megan Mullally did some stuff on Broadway. Um, she was in a revival of Grease in 1995 alongside Rosie O'Donnell. She played the role of, of Marty Maraschino, Mar um, which was played by Dana Manoff, who guest starred on Murder, She Wrote, and also guest starred as her character Carol Livingston. No, not Livingston. Uh... Weston, Carol Weston, from Empty Nest. And, of course, as you know, another Golden Girls connection. Angela Lansbury and Bea Arthur were best friends. In real life, they were bosom buzzer buddies. Um, so, comes full circle. Um, and she played that role. And Rosie O'Donnell played Rizzo, who was played um, by such famous actresses as um, Adrienne Balboa who also guest starred on Murder, She Wrote, and was on the sitcom Maud opposite B. Arthur, who played Maud, another full circle Golden Girls moment. Don't you just love those? Um, also, Brooke Shields um, played the role of Rizzo, Shocker Conning in the movie adaptation. So a lot of famous people have played, even the actress who played Xena, Warrior Princess, has played Rizzo on Broadway. So... And Joey Fisher as well. So it's really great how I knew this was they had this like thing on online for a charity during the pandemic. But it was great. And if you want to listen to the soundtrack album for that version of Grease, it is on Spotify. And I encourage you to listen to it. Um, it is so cool to listen to Megan Mullally sing, Pretty my love, I miss you more than words can say. Um, she was also in the Broadway musical adaptation of Young Frankenstein, which was a movie that was released in 1971, making fun of the Frankenstein movies. And it was turned into a musical, and she does really good in it. Again, that soundtrack is available for you to listen to on Spotify as well. And she's she was, ugh, she was really good in that show. I'm so sorry, again. <laughs> so, uh... Back to Will and Grace. Now, I know this is going to be a very controversial opinion, but it's an opinion I've had for years, and it's my opinion. It does not have to be yours. Do not criticize me. Do not come at me on Twitter. Do not do nothing, because this is from the perspective of a gay person. 
all right, of how I feel about Will and Grace. I was unaware of Will and Grace's existence when I was growing up. It it premiered in 1998 and it ended in 2006. And I have always thought, you know, I never understood why the show was focused on Will and Grace. I thought that Karen, played by Megan Mullally, and Jack, played by Sean Hayes, was was the more funny of the four. And from what I have learned about this show over the years, Jack and Karen do not get to evolve from the first season to the last. They are still the same characters and don't get much to do. Um, They do get into their own shenanigans and all that. But the thing is that what Will and Grace introduced was Will, played by Eric McCormick, is sort of like a straight acting character where you wouldn't know just by looking at him or the way he walks or the way he talks that he's completely and utterly gay. Versus Jack, played by Sean Hayes, where he enters a room, you automatically know 110% that he is, in fact, gay. And there's no denying it. There is no way that this dude could even play straight. And Sean Hayes, as far as I know, is gay in real life, and Eric McCormick is not. So they basically tried to say that these are the only two types of gay men in the world. And unfortunately, we all come in different shapes and sizes. And yes, I'm not straight acting, but I'm not flamboyant like Jack either. I'm somewhere in between. And it doesn't matter what you do. You always get some sort of label on you, no matter what. Like, like for instance, um, I would be considered a bear and a daddy, which I hate the daddy trope. I think that's just so dumb. Um, but everyone does their own thing. Not criticizing your kinks or your sexual fantasies or anything. Just saying it's kind of weird. But that's my opinion. It doesn't have to be yours. Anyway, this is a safe space for everyone, as I have said so many times on the broken record. Um, or as my generation would say, I'm a broken CD. I don't know. Anyway, so the thing that infuriates me about Will and Grace is not just the, okay, Will is straight acting Jack is flamboyant. They're, they presented no actual problems that was going on in the gay community at the time. Um, maybe one episode I remember seeing or seeing a clip of where they were angry that a gay kiss had been cut out of a TV program and they kissed on the Today Show. Jack and Will. But I didn't start watching the show. I only watched like a couple episodes when it was in syndication. And they put it on Hulu several years back. And I was like, okay, for years and years and years, people have been telling me, oh, this show is so good. You need to watch it. And so I was like, okay. And I remember the pilot episode being discussed in like a documentary about how much we've come very far in in television and, and all of that. And there's an argument whether or not Ellen paved the way for Will and Grace to be accepted by audiences. It's unclear. So, you know, there's that whole thing. And they talked about the pilot episode. And the thing that got viewers' attention was Will and Grace. Um, And the premise basically is that Will and Grace are like best friends. And they get into hilarious shenanigans with each other. 
And the thing is that they've been best friends their whole life and they used to date and might have gotten married if Will didn't say, hey, Grace, I'm gay. Surprise. But everybody else could see that Will was gay, but Grace did not from what the history I know. So literally, they remind the audience over and over again in the pilot episode that Will and Grace are not going to get together because Will's gay. And audiences were not happy with that premise. But it drawed viewers in. But the thing that did not make any sense to me as a viewer was Karen is far more interesting than Grace. Jack is far more interesting than Will because Will is constantly putting Grace down, constantly criticizing her relationship choices, her men choices. Um, He's criticizing Jack multiple times for the way he acts. And there was an episode in the first season. I don't know the number. I don't know the name. But Jack wants to join Will's gym. And Will is straight acting. You know, nobody knows he's gay until he says it. Um, There are little quips here and there, but basically no one can guess right off that he's gay. So he's going to this gym and no one knows that he's gay. And he knows that if Jack comes to the gym, everyone will know that he's gay. So he tries to make up every excuse in the book to not let him come to this gym, but eventually runs out of excuses. And Jack shows up in really bad uh, workout clothes and is drawing attention to himself and, you know, being himself like he should be allowed to do. Okay? And at one point during the show, Will literally says to him, I don't want you here, Jack, because you act too much like an F.A.G. And I could not believe that any self-respecting actor would say that line to anyone and that anyone would write that line for anyone to say on primetime. And I don't even know if it actually aired on primetime. I was watching it on Hulu, so I don't know. I didn't see the episodes as they aired, but it just rubbed me the wrong way. And I tried to continue with it after that, but it was like Will's constant, like, berating of Jack for acting the way he does, berating Grace for her choice of men, um, constant, like, and I've seen a couple episodes in between, you know, like, when Grace decides she wants her own place because for some reason they live together and Will is, like, criticizing every place that she gets, because he wants her to stay with him. And then he criticizes all her relationships because he wants her all to himself. But he's gay. Um, and I also thought that it was ridiculous that for them to emphasize he's gay. Like, let's have, like, like art in his, in his apartment of, like, naked men. Because nothing says you're gay than that. And it just never felt like to me... The show tackled any issues of what it's like to date, what it's like to actually be out there in the world. It seemed like they were always doing, like, something was going on with Grace. Like, for instance, in one episode, she uh, decides to wear a water bra, and they go to, like, a gallery opening, and somehow um, 
a hole gets punctured in it, and then water is spraying everywhere, and Will has to help her, and, and like, meanwhile, it, fe- it felt like Karen and Jack were in a completely different show of their own and wasn't getting the chance to shine, because Will and Grace were not very interesting characters. And the reboot just did not work. It was just terrible. And I wanted to like, I mean, no offense to Megan Mullally. I love her. No offense to Sean Hayes. I love him. No offense to Deborah Messing. Love her. Think that she's a fantastic actress. Um, And no offense to Eric McCormick. I've not seen him in anything other than Will and Grace. But I just don't understand the dynamic of the show. And it could have been better. It could have been way more better and way more groundbreaking. But if you like it, that's fine. You can like it. I don't have to. And I can have my own opinion, and my opinion does not have to be yours. But that's what I feel as a gay person, because for the longest time, when Will and Grace was a thing, it was, are you more like Will, or are you more like Jack? Or are you gay because of Will, or are you gay because of Jack? Which is a stupid question. You're not gay because of a TV character. You're gay because you were born that way. Am I right? So, I mean, it's ridiculous. But I love Megan Mullally. She's, like, multi-talented. She can do no wrong. And I can't believe that they recently casted her in Percy Jackson and the Olympians and literally used her for, like, five seconds in one scene and then killed her. Like, how dare you? Um, she deserved way more screen time than that. Hell, she could have played Medusa and I would have bought it. Um, but that's how I feel. Like I said, does not have to be your opinion. It's okay if you like this show. Will and Grace. I mean, it is funny. There are so many funny episodes. When Debbie Reynolds guest starred, oh my god, I was rolling. I had tears in my eyes. I thought it was hilarious. I love when her and Megan Mullally start singing, Good morning, it's great to stay up late. It's so awesome. And it's like, I didn't understand why Grace was so mean to her mother. And then I didn't understand why the writers were like, okay, let's have Debbie Reynolds be like this awesome, obnoxious mother and then try to tell tell Grace, oh, maybe Will's not actually gay. Like, and that was a big, huge theme during the first season. And it's like, oh my God, show. What what are you doing? Anyway, I'm sorry, I've, gone, I've talked about this longer than I intended. <laughs> so, um, as like, let's see. As for the newest trailers, we're in week we're in week two now for m- new movie trailers. Nothing has popped out at me, but nothing so far is a remake or a reboot or a reimagining or a sequel to something yet. Give them time. They're coming. Um, but nothing that makes me want to go to the theater and watch anything that's that I've seen so far. So with that being said, let's dive into the episode. And again, I want to emphasize the cast of Will and Grace is amazing, but the premise could have gotten better because I really did not get the point half the time of why Grace was even friends with Will and why Jack 
and Karen were friends with Will and Grace. I just didn't get it. But let's talk about the episode right now. So this episode had a lot of famous guest stars. Not just Megan Mullally, but William R. Moses, who has played multiple bad characters on TV. I once saw this uh, this, movie, this TV movie of the week where he played twins and one was evil and trying to kill him. And it was a really good performance. It was very believable. It really was. Um, but anyway, so this episode is set somewhere in a southern town. Um, a mountain town. I don't know. It could be Kentucky. Um, it could be somewhere close to Kentucky. It could be Tennessee. It could be anywhere. Oh yeah, we have Cliff D. Young also in this episode, and he has been in so many different things as well. And also, you remember Chip um, on the original Roseanne, Becky's first boyfriend? He's in this episode too. All right, so I don't know exactly where this episode is set. I'm assuming since we're talking mining, either Kentucky or Tennessee or Virginia, I am not entirely sure. But we start off this episode, there is a party going on and everyone seems to be having fun except for Reese Morgan, played by William R. Moses, who looks like he wishes he could be anywhere but there, as well as his mother, Norma Morgan, with her husband, Taylor Morgan. Um, apparently they're celebrating like a record year for like the mining company or whatever. And Reese is, is like not happy with his father because he's like, we can uh, like install a computer and it would do the work in half the time. Boy, oh boy, has this episode not really aged well. Um, <laughs> like, it is, it is very interesting. Um, because most businesses now are, are basically done by computer. You know, not all of them, but a, a lot of it has to do with the computer now. I mean, look, I'm recording a podcast with my computer. Um, but Mr. Morgan basically says, I will not do that. This company has been run manually. That's the way my daddy did it. That's the way my granddaddy did it. And that's the way I'm going to do it. Now smile and be happy. So Mr. Morgan gets up and begins to talk to some, talk to the crowd and says, we've had a record year and I just want to thank you folks and I care about you and and we love y'all so much and someone says that's a lie and the crowd parts and we get introduced to Molly Connors played by of course Megan Mullally and she says to him I'm Molly Connors, and I intend to prove that you killed my father. And I'm telling you, greatest interest in the 
greatest entrance in the history of television, in the history of Murder, She Wrote, hands down, best character, wanted, want, I want her to come back. But unfortunately, I'm pretty sure she doesn't. But I just loved how she just comes through this crowd and she's like, I intend to prove that you killed my father. And she goes, I got a law degree and I intend to sue you for whatever it is you're worth. And I freaking love it. But then Mr. Morgan basically says, well, you're trespassing because this is a private party. And she gets arrested by Sheriff Tate. And throughout the entire episode, episode, I'm not entirely sure what the direction they told the actor who plays Sheriff Tate to do, but there are several moments where he's literally like, um, just staring at people for no reason. And it's like, I don't know if he's supposed to, like if it's trying to tell us, oh, he's a corrupt sheriff or something's happening. Like, I don't know. It's really weird. So he takes her to jail. Um, and her grandfather, Eben, Eben Connors, comes to the jail um, and says, you ain't about to take my granddaughter to jail. And goes to reach into his car for his gun. But Sheriff Tate says, you better not go and reach for that gun because you'll be dead before you get your hand on it. And she tells him, Molly tells him, she's like, don't worry. Um, they can't make these charges stick. I'm going to get out. And he says, but I don't have that kind of money. And she says, don't worry. I have somebody I can call. And who does she call? Not Ghostbusters. But the next best thing, Jessica Fletcher. Yep, that's right. She used to be a student of Jessica's because off screen 10 years before this episode happens, there apparently was an explosion at the local mine and her father and someone named Mr. Harmon also died in the explosion at the mine. And her and her mother went to Cabot Cove and Molly pursued um, a law degree to become a lawyer to bring out Tyler Morgan so to prove that he killed her father because it seemed like all the evidence seemed to point to him, but the sheriff said no. So Jessica comes not only with the bail money, but comes to the town to be with Molly. And that's when we get introduced to local reporter Carlton Reed, played by Cliff DeYoung. And immediately I was like, this dude is very suspicious. Boy, oh boy. Um, Molly basically tells the sheriff that she intends to subpoena the records from 1978 when her father was working. And she intends to reopen the case and figure out who murdered her father. When they go outside, they run into Todd. Tyler Morgan, who I guess found out she was released from jail and shows up at the exact moment that she walks out, which perfect timing, I guess. Also, who happened to show up out of nowhere for no reason other than convenient to the plot, we get introduced to Bertie Harmon 
and her son Travis. And Birdie looked so familiar to me, so I can't wait to figure out who she was, what she was in. But I recognized Travis right away as being, of course, Chip on Roseanne, which was Becky's first date. And she invites his parents over, but makes out with another dude named the Tongue Bandit in the backyard while she's while they're supposed to be having dinner with, with Chip and his parents, which I don't understand. Why would anyone name their child Chip? I mean, it works good for, like, a cup on Beauty and the Beast, but, I mean, boy, what a lot of teasing someone would get for that name. I'm sorry if you have it, anyone who's listening. Um, it might be short for something, but I, I don't really have time to look it up right now. So, they seem to not like Mr. Morgan at all. And, like, Mr. Morgan makes it apparent that no one in this town is going to put them up um, because she's stepping on some toes and she's and Molly's not going to get very far. Well, then Travis says, they can stay with us. And Bertie reluctantly goes over and says, well, yes, um, it's $30 a day. I provide the meals and I lock up around nine. You're welcome to stay with us. And Molly says, that's great. I'll drop her off at your house, but she's having dinner with us, so you don't have to worry about her tonight. And she says, okay. So that's settled. So then we cut to the Connor's house. Jessica's having dinner. She's got the fried chicken, the biscuits and gravy, all of the fixings that, that you know, people think Southerners eat all the time. We don't eat eat that all the time but yeah um Jessica says that she's very stuffed and and um they talk about they talk about the only thing that her father left her or that she took of her father's was a book of Shakespeare that really helped her get through a lot of bad times like Romeo and Juliet The Tempest I saw The Tempest it was a very confusing play um, but there were a lot of cool characters in it. We did a, a class trip when I was in high school. It was interesting. They did a really good job with the set. But I could not tell you what it was about to save my life. But it was good. Anyway, um, so those have comforted her over the years. Um, she ends up taking... Um, oh, wait, I forgot... So then Mr. Connors, her grandfather, basically says that while he's loading his guns, that he will put up a fight and that he's not going to lose his granddaughter to Tyler Morgan. Not going to lose another member of my kin to Tyler Morgan. So then Molly takes Jessica to the boarding house at the Hardmans. And she gets settled in and she says, well, I'm going to go lock up. And I'm going to head off to bed, so I hope everything's okay. Jessica waves goodbye to Molly as she drives away as a storm comes in. Well, meanwhile, Mr. Morgan is at the cabin, at a cabin in the woods. And as he's stoking the fire, someone comes up, looks at him in the, in the, in the window. And this looked like the cabin from Friday the 13th, part four. 
Um, and I'm pretty sure it was. It looked familiar to me, so I think it was. And I've seen that movie like multiple times because it's good. Um, and someone goes in and there is a gun rack right next to the door with guns on it. And someone picks up a gun and shoots him dead. So the next day, Jessica is sort of like walking around and she gets lost. And the sheriff comes across her and takes her back with him to the cabin. Or, or no, she gets lost. She's walking around and Reese finds her and points a gun at her and then takes her back to the cabin and gives her to the sheriff. She says, oh, I was just lost. I didn't realize that there was a cabin here. I was trying to go see Molly and I lost my sense of direction. And there was a stream. They like zoom in on a stream when she's walking. So I think this might have been filmed on the Fox Ranch where they filmed Little House on the Prairie, but it could be wrong. Um, but anyway, so she goes, well, what's going on here? And the sheriff basically tells her everything. Tyler Morgan was shot some at some point between 11.30 and midnight. And they don't know who did it. But of course, all arrows point to Molly. And uh, Reese says, what you gonna do with her? I'm the one that found her. And he goes, well, why don't you just let me do my job? And Reese says, well, don't. Don't get too comfortable in your job because my daddy was in your back pocket and I'm going to be too. He ran this town and I'm going to run it next or something like that. You know, just being dumb. And um, Jessica assures him that she was at the boarding house. She went right to sleep. She doesn't know anything about it. She only met him briefly when they had left uh, the sheriff's office. So they don't so she doesn't really know him at all. So then she goes to the Connors' house. Molly assures them over and over again, says, well, I had a flat tire, so I didn't get to go get home at all. Mr. Connors gets very mean, very angry with the questioning and says she did not do it. She wouldn't have done this. She wouldn't have killed him. She was trying to bring him to justice. She wasn't trying to kill him. She said, yeah, that does not serve me at all. I wanted to nail him for my father's murder. I didn't want him to die. Um, so the sheriff leaves it at that. Um, so then at one point they go into town and everyone in town thinks that she killed Mr. Morgan. So she decides to go up to Mrs. Morgan and Reese and say, I, your husband and I might have had our differences, but I did not wish for him to be killed. I did not do this. And Reese says, You have one hell of a nerve coming over here and talking to my mama right now. And Norma goes, I don't think I can handle this right now. I don't think I really want to talk to you. I'm sorry if my southern accent sucks. But I have, so far, I've lived in Kentucky for almost like 16 years, I believe, and I have not heard anyone talk like that 
Anyway. Um, so, so as she's, like, standing there trying to plead her case, the sheriff comes up and says, I'm so sorry, Molly. I'm going to have to arrest you for the murder of Tyler Morgan. We found it, the shotgun that killed him in your car. Uh, so, uh, next scene, and I realized, okay, because remember, I don't know if you guys remember, but I mixed this episode up with Powder Cake. And the reason is why? The, the reason why is that they use the same set even down to the same sheriff's office and set in this episode to where I confused the two. But I like this one better than Power Cake. Even though it's really predictable. Um, so Jessica says, Sheriff, why in the world would you arrest Molly? I mean, clearly somebody planted that weapon in her car. And, and why in the world would she leave it in her car? She could have thrown it anywhere between her and her house and and she wouldn't leave it in the car. And he goes, I know she didn't do it. And Jessica goes, I'm confused. And he goes, there is a mob out there for me. So I'm doing my job, Mrs. Fletcher. I'm keeping Molly safe by keeping her locked up in here. So then here comes Mr. Connors, Molly's grandfather, comes in and he goes, you need to let my daughter go. She did not kill nobody. You need to knock this off. And he's getting very aggressive. And Jessica's like, oh, please stop. We're going to figure this out. It's no big deal. Just let it go. And he goes, if you don't let her go by tomorrow, when I come back here, I won't be alone. So he goes out the door and Jessica decides to talk to Bertie. And what is revealed here is really shocking. So Jessica notices that Bertie had left late that night. But Bertie said that she had closed up and went to bed, but it was a lie. So Bertie tells her that her and Tyler Morgan were lovers, but he would pay her for having sex with him, which she would use to stay afloat in the boarding house. She did not believe that he had anything to do with the explosion of the mine that killed her husband, but her son believes it, and so does half the town. And she's very ashamed. She does not seem all as ashamed as she should be with this type of reveal, which is shocking. So, Jessica realizes that the vultures are circling and she's got to do something to figure out who killed Mr. Morgan. So she gets in the car with Carlton Reed. And they're talking just casually. And he says, anybody could have went into the cabin got the gun from the gun rack by the door and shot Mr. Morgan dead. And I was like, well, by George, here's my epiphany moment. He's the killer, 110%. We're done. Wrap it up. You know, 
I knew it right away. Um, because nobody would have known that unless they'd been to the cabin and also if they did it. So I was like, he's the killer, 110%. Here we go. Just waiting for Jessica to catch up. So they go to the sheriff's office and down the road comes Mr. Connors with, with various extras holding guns. Then here comes Reese Morgan from the other side with a bunch of extras with a bunch of guns. And there's obviously going to be a big, huge fight. But Clayton, or Carlton, sorry, goes into the sheriff's office, gets the sheriff out, and he says, you need to stop this. I'm doing my job. I'm doing the best I can. And Reese has the nerve to say, I don't think so, sheriff. I don't care for your kind of justice. I'm going to do it my way. And he says, now you listen to me, boy. I'm the sheriff of this town, not you. Your daddy might have ran things around here, but now I am. So you just back off. And then Jessica says to Molly's grandfather, she's like, you need to let the law work. I am trying desperately to figure out what happened and what's going on. Just give me some more time. And they all back off. Which makes it a pointless scene, in my opinion. So, Jessica then has sort of an epiphany. She's talking to the sheriff. Carlton has left. I don't know where he goes, but he goes somewhere. Oh, he says he has a deadline, so he goes to the newspaper. Because he writes for the newspaper. And uh, she's talking to the sheriff. And... He mentions his gun rack. And Jessica goes, huh. So then she goes back to the Connors house. And she goes and gets the Shakespeare book. And discovers that the secret ledger from 1978 that no one can find has been hidden inside the um, Shakespeare book. So Jessica goes to call the sheriff. But the phone line's been cut. And our killer, no surprise, is Carlton Reed. Apparently, Carlton rigged the explosion at the mine ten years ago because he told um, Molly's dad about like some sort of like I don't know scheme that was going on, and he didn't want in on it. He wanted to tell everybody what was going on, and so. Um, Bertie's husband was not supposed to die. It was only supposed to be Connors who was supposed to die. And it was a mistake. And then the reason why Reed kills Tyler Morgan and frames Molly for it is because he thinks it's the perfect time to do it. And he slips up by saying, by talking about the gun rack by the door. Because he had been to the cabin before and he was the one who shot him. So Molly is released, a free woman. And Jessica figured out that the secret ledger had to have been in the Shakespeare book. Because it's the only thing of Molly's father's that was not searched. Because they tried to find the papers and could never find them. Travis actually is the one that saves Jessica by pointing his gun. Because Nora tells Jessica when Jessica's talks to Nora that no one around here can 
hold their head up high until they shoot the rose the petals off a daisy or something because she got a trophy for shooting or whatever um so that's that and it was very predictable I mean the minute that he said well anybody can grab the gun off the gun rack by the front door and shoot him I was like yep he's the killer Mm -hmm." and he's acting way too suspicious and way too helpful he's the killer and I was right um but Megan Mullally's performance is top-notch, as always. I freaking loved it. I found it to be absolutely incredible. Best episode of season five so far. Very tame compared to the other episodes that we have been attributed. Like the last one, Snow White, Blood Red, where there was a lot of blood because somebody was killed in a shower. I mean, whew. But this one was very tame. It wasn't that graphic. It was like kind of toned down um it made sense even though the killer was very predictable the killer's motivation was clear um and you know mr morgan wasn't that great of a person but he should not have been shot but i loved it it was great let's go over the guest stars hoyt axton played sheriff tate He died in 1999 at the age of 61. He is known for Gremlins 1984. Oh, yes! I knew he looked familiar, son of a gun. Um, He played the dad in Gremlins. No wonder he looked familiar. Um, He was um, also known for Singing Joy to the World on Forrest Gump 1994, Big Chill 1993, and Equal Man in 1992. So he must have done like a really successful cover of that. I'm not entirely sure. Last um, credited role was in 1999 in something called King Cobra, director video movie. Okay. Ooh, he did voiceover for Captain Planet and the Planeteers. I love that show. As a kid. He was also on Growing Pains. This is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. Um, He was in that famous TV movie, Christmas Comes to Willow Creek. With John Snyder. Dallas, The Early Years, Different Strokes. Of course, like I said, Gremlins. I kept thinking he looked so familiar. Oh, apparently they turned Seven Brides for Seven Brothers into a TV show. He was in it. Black Stallion in 1979. The original. The Bionic Woman, McLeod, I Dream of Jeannie. And his first credited role was in Bonanza. Lots of people were in Bonanza. But awesome actor. Just don't know what direction they were giving him in this while he was staring at people. Barbara Bain, B-A-I-N, played Norma or Nora. She's still with us. She's known for the original Mission Impossible in 78 episodes from 1966 to 69. American Gun 2002, Space 1999, 47 episodes of that from 1975 to 1977, and Take My Hand 2018 movie short. 
last credited role was in a, in 2020 in a TV series called Space Command. Never heard of it. She was in 83 different projects. Interesting. Did some voiceover work for Ben 10. That was an interesting show. Strong Medicine. Love that show. Walker, Texas Ranger. Love that show too. My So-Called Life. That was good. And she will be in another episode of Murder, She Wrote in Season 8. I will try to remember that. But we all know that I probably won't. Um, this is hilarious. The last name of the actor that played Tyler Morgan is named Connors. And everybody's last name, Megan Mullally's last name was Connors in this. But he played a person named Tyler Morgan. That's hilarious. He died in 1992 at the age of 71. And he looked familiar, so I've probably seen him in various things. Um, he's known for Tourist Trap, 1979. Soviet Green, 1973. Move Over Darling, 1963. And Old Yeller, 1957. Probably that. Because, oh boy, was that a hard movie to watch. Um, I think that does not make any sense. They're saying that his last credited role was in 2022 in Taxi Killer? I don't think so, people. He died in 1992. There's no way he could have done that. Also, apparently he was in something in 2001 called Fast Backwards. Don't think that's possible either. So I'm going to assume his final credited role was Three Days to Kill in 1992 and before that he was in the gambler returns luck of the draw which i think is the one with um reba mcintyre which i love that one and oh yeah i forgot he was also in season two and joshua peabody died here possibly the the fbi agent that was trying to find the one dude so this is um, his final episode of Murder, She Wrote. I forgot. I'm so sorry. No wonder he looked familiar. Um, he was in Summer Camp Nightmare. <laughs> the Yellow Rose. The Love Boat. Matt Houston, Fantasy Island. Airplane 2, the sequel. Um, Walking Tall TV show. Police Story Roots TV miniseries, possibly Solomon that. Here's Lucy. Oh, he played a person named Chuck Connors on Here's, Lu Here's Lucy. Isn't that hilarious? The Horror at 30,000 Feet. Probably, I think I've seen that movie as well. Night of Terror. Oh, yes. That movie scared me as a kid. Um, let's see here. His first credited role was in 1952 in Pat and Mike as a police captain. Cool. He had a long career. He was in, even in Designing Women, the movie, with Catherine, Kath, Catherine Hepburn. Isn't that cool? Lifty Young, I've seen him in multiple things, but let's let's see if this is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. 
He's still with us. He is known for The Craft, 1996, Glory, 1989, The Hunger, 1983, and Shock Treatment, the sequel, and considered one of the worst movies ever made, to Rocky Horror Picture Show. I have never seen it. Um, last courtesy roles in 2020 and Reality Queen. Okay. He guest starred in two episodes of Grey's Anatomy. He was in The Young and the Restless. Alias. That was a good show. Girlfriends. Touched by an Angel. Crossing Jordan. The original CSI. The Secret Life of Zoe. That was a good movie. Probably saw him in that. I remember when that movie came on. It was good. Um, Profiler. Jag. Melrose Place. The Practice Diagnosis Murder. The Substitute. Lots of TV movies of the week. Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. North and South, Book 3. Star Trek. Deep Space Nine, Dr. Giggles, messed up movie. But Holly Marie Combs did fantastic in it. Um, let's see. Aha, uh-huh, he was in season, he played the, duh. He played the, the fake priest in Murder Through the Looking Glass. How could I forget that? Um, he'll be in another episode in season eight. I'll remember it that that time. I I promise. So sorry. Marilyn Jones played Birdie. She looked familiar too. I wonder if she was in an episode of Murder, She Wrote. She's still with us. She's known for Magnum P.I. one episode. Remington Steel one episode. Quantum Leap two episodes. Probably Quantum Leap. And V, 1995 one episode. Um, yes. She will appear in season 6 and 10 of Murder, She Wrote. But, let's see, she was in... Cassie Davis, or Sissy Davis. I don't know, maybe. It could have been that. Because she looked familiar. Um... William R. Moses, I don't think, I think this is his final episode. He's still with us. He's known for Mystic Pizza, 1988. Julia Roberts' first ever big movie. NCIS, two episodes. I just started watching NCIS. It's a really good show. I'm starting to get into it. Perry Mason, movie, 1993. I can't see the whole rest of the name. And Jag. Two episodes. Can't get into Jag, but really love NCIS. Um, latest credit was last year in Mystic Christmas. And he was in two episodes of General Hospital in 2022. Gotta get away with murder. Chicago Med. American Horror Story. Grey's Anatomy. He was in a lot of things. Um... 133 different credits, and he has something coming up. The spook who sat by the door. Um, okay, I have no idea. (laughs) C 
Secret Life of the American Teenager, original CSI, Castle, um, Without a Trace, Bones, Ghost Whisper, Jane Doe, Eye of the Beholder. Love those with Leah Thompson. Lots of Jane Doe's. Lots of TV movies like Mother Like Daughter. Um, Cold Case. Love Cold Case. The Derby Stallion. Crossing Jordan. Um, True Calling, which is a good show that was canceled after only two seasons and it was really good. Seventh Heaven, Touched by an Angel. Um, Living in Fear. The Perfect Wife. That was the one where he played twins. Um, or that might have been the one where he was getting poisoned by his wife. I don't know. I know he played twins. Alone with a Stranger. Maybe that's the one. I don't know. So, let's see. Lots of TV movies. Evil Has a Face. She Woke Up Pregnant. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the Adventures of Mary-Kate and Ashley, The Case of the Mystery Cruise, The Case of the Sea World Adventure, uh, Flipper, uh, oh, the, the Perry Mason movie was The Case of the Jealous Jokester and The Case of the Grimmancing Governor. Ooh, The Haunting of Seacliff Inn. Um, the Case of the Legal Lifestyle. He was in a lot of Perry Mason movies. He also played a really crazy character on Melrose Place. Keith, who was stalking Allison. Oh my god, it was just... It was crazy. Very crazy. Lots of Perry Mason movies. He was also in Father Downey Mysteries with uh, Tom Bosley. Um, this is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. I, I figured it would be. Um, he was in 141 episodes of Falcon Crest, which I've never seen. Hotel, The Love Boat, um, Glitter TV show, um, and his first credited role was in 1981 in, I think, a TV movie called Choices. And he was also on Fantasy Island. Wow. Lots of good things there. And he plays a lot of crazy, crazy characters. Like, it's it's really weird. All right, Megan Mullally. This is probably her only, her last, uh, her only episode. Just sad. I wish she would come back. Of course, she's known for Will and Grace, 1998 to 2006, and then 2020 to 2020. The Disaster Artist, 2017. Why Him, 2016. And The Kings of Summer. Um, last credited role was, is going to be this year in the Umbrella Academy. She was only in two episodes of Percy Jackson Lippin, Olympians, which was the first episode. And I guess she comes back again in the third episode and maybe gets more screen time. I don't know. Um... Okay. Let's see. Life in Pieces. She was in that. 
Hotel Transylvania 2. Parks and Recreation, nine episodes. Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day, good movie, on Disney+. Plus. Web Therapy, hilarious. Um, 30 Rock, three episodes of that. Um, The New Adventures of Old Christine, Boston Legal, How I Met Your Mother, uh, Voice for Teachers, Pet the Movie, King of the Hill, Third Rock from the Sun, Just Shoot Me, Before She Got Well and Grace, Caroline in the City, Extreme Ghostbusters, um, Ned and Stacy. oh, so she worked with uh, Deborah Messing before. Did some voiceover work for Batman the Animated Series and voiced Pebbles in a Flintstone Family Christmas. Aww. Um, My Life and Times, Dear John, TV show with Judd Hirsch from Taxi, China Beach, Wings, this is their only episode of Murder, She Wrote, The Ellen, um, B-U-R-S-T-Y-N show. About Last Night, 1986, the original. Once Bitten, ah, oh, Once Bitten, with uh, um, Jim Carrey, before he was famous. Um, and she was in Risky Business with Tom Cruise in 1993 as a call girl. And her first thing was, in 1981, in the TV movie The Children Nobody Wanted. Wow, I love her. She's just so fabulous. She needs to be cast in more things. Um, Denver Pike played the role of her grandfather, Mr. Connors. He died in 1997 at the age of 77. He's known for The Man Who Shot Liberty Vance. 1962, The Andy Griffith Show, six episodes as the Mr. Darling, the father. I knew he looked familiar. Bonnie and Clyde, 1967, and Maverick, 1994, with Jodie Foster and Mel Gibson. Last card she rolled was in 1997 in Podunk Possum. I have no idea. And then before that, the Dukes of Hazzard reunion. He was also on Sybil. That was a funny show. This is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. He was in two episodes of Dallas. He was also in Return to Mayberry in 1986. The Love Boat. Dukes of Hazzard as Uncle Jesse. The cartoon series based on the Dukes of Hazzard as Uncle Jesse. Because if there was a popular TV show, there was a cartoon that went along with it. I missed that. How the West Was One TV show. The Life and Times of Grizzly Adams. How Bugs Bunny Won the West. <laughs> Return from Witch Mountain, the original. The Magical World of Disney. Um, the Last of Mrs. Lincoln. Barnaby Jones. Um, Escape to Witch Mountain. Murder or Mercy TV movie. The New Perry Mason. Cannon. Gunsmoke. The Waltons. The Doris Day Show, Here Come the Brides, TV show, Gummer Pife, as a completely different character from Andy Grove's show, 
Death Valley Days, six episodes of the Andy Griffith Show. He was also in six episodes of the original Perry Mason TV show based on the movie Tammy. Um, Tammy. Mail Order Bride. Dick Van Dyke Show. The Virginian. Cheyenne. Lawman. Um, Thriller. Route 66. The Detectives. The Rifleman. National Velvet TV Show. Didn't know there was a TV show based on that. The Life and Legend of, of uh, Walt Earp. Uh, Stagecoach West. Have Gun Will Travel. The Real McCoys. Um, Rescue 8. Mike Hammer. Casey Jones. Please Murder Me. He was in that movie with Angela Lansbury. That was a really weird movie. She didn't like it. She didn't like doing it. And then his first credited role, because he was in a lot of old MGM movies. Too many to name. First credited role was in Double Ship in 1947. You rest in peace, sir. You've left a legacy behind by being on Dukes of Hazard. And Jared Rushton, Rushton, Ton played Travis. He was on Roseanne. Don't know what happened to him. He's still with us. He's known for, he was also in Big, 1988, which I love. The original Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in 1989. Overboard, 1987. And A Cry in the Wild, 1990. Last credited role was in 2000. Cover Me, based on the life, the true life of an FBI family. Okay. Um, he was on ER, Northern Exposure, CBS School Break Special, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, Life Goes On, Pet Cemetery 2, Midnight Caller. Um, he was in three episodes of Roseanne as Chip between 1988 and 89. This is the only episode of Murder, She Wrote. Um, he was also in The Lady in White. I don't know what that is. Cadney and Lacey, and his first credited role was in the TV show Tales from the Dark Side, which was really good. I wish they would still run that in syndication, but I don't. Um, it was a good little horror analogy series, kind of like Twilight Zone. Anyway, very interesting episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Hope you do too. Um, and remember what I said about Will and Grace is just my opinion. It does not have to be yours. I'm not criticizing anybody for liking it. I love the cast. I just wish that it could have been better and more groundbreaking when it comes to stories concerning the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and I hope somebody does at some point create an awesome sitcom that would center around the issues that we still face. Um, hope everybody is staying warm and cozy with this crazy weather that we're having out there. I love you all. I appreciate you all. You're here. You matter. You're awesome. And you can do whatever you put your mind to. Remember that. Never forget. And I love you, dear listeners. Have a great day, night, week, weekend, whichever, whenever you listen to this. Think of me when you watch Murder, She Wrote, Happy Crime Solving. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye.